Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your teen. On today's episode, Mark Gregston answers some of your most pressing questions. Let's hear what he has to say. Here's one of the questions is, what is a good way to respond to your teen who's been socially excluded by his group? It's a wonderful, wonderful question because it happens all the time. Another question is this, we suspect our 15-year-old son feels inferior to his 13-year-old brother. Sometimes puts him down. Any suggestions? Darn right, I've got some suggestions. Uh, Another question is this, how do I start a conversation with my college student that has been home since Thanksgiving? I read her diary a few weeks ago when I found out some things that might be harming her body. How do I engage her and start a dialogue? Great question. Here's another question. How do you settle a difference of opinion between parents and uh, a child about the school your child should attend? As a parent, we have the authority, but we realize our child may not try his best at the school So we prefer uh, one and he prefers another. What do we do? Here's another question. It says, after listening to your podcast about assessment for parents, it's alarming how many answers to the yes question. When I said uh, this all had to do with um, if your child is spinning out of control, maybe you see these things. And so this, I I think it's a mom that says, "I, I know we need help for our son and we've tried Uh, counseling, but it's just not working. So what do we do? And uh, another question is here. My 16-year-old daughter has been in a treatment center for an eating disorder the past three weeks and has told me she no longer wants physical touch. Uh, Could she be doing this because she's hurting so badly inside or is this a new her? God, these are some great questions. And here's another question. My daughter is a 14 and a half year old freshman. She spends a lot of time in her room. Imagine that. I go in from time to time and try to engage in conversation. Uh, She doesn't want to talk. What do I do? She doesn't want to come to eat. Dad thinks she's just a normal kid. I think uh, she needs something different. So what do I do? Those are some great questions. And and what I'm going to be spending some time doing is, is maybe taking a couple of minutes to give you some quick insights on any one of these. And, um, So here we go. So the question is, what's a good way to respond to your teen who's been socially excluded by his group? This is how you respond. I I mean, this question did not say uh, how old this young man is, but I take it that it's a guy because said excluded by his group. Uh, How do you respond? Well, as a 14 and 15 year old kid who gets excluded by a group, I just want to tell you that's huge. That's really huge. And, and the reason it's so huge is because they're probably engaging a lot more online. And so when you get kicked out of a group online, then it creates a void in your life. And remember those, that, you know, those images and, and how you appear online. I mean, there's a challenge. There's a compromise. There's a comparison that is going on all the time online. And so your child gets eliminated. So what that means is however he's portraying himself online— It's not being accepted. And he's portraying himself that way for a reason, because he wants to see something different or be something different so he can have better relationships. 
Are you following me? And the second part of it is this. If it's like he's been excluded by his group, you know, uh, at church or, you know, or, or just his group of friends, there may be a reason. So I would ask the question, why are they excluded? What is their age? Um, Mom, Dad, have you been too strict in not allowing cell phones or Internet access um, for this young man to be able to connect? Got to ask yourself that question. And, and I tell people this all the time. You've got to look at yourself first and say, am I contributing to this? The second thing, is our home contributing to this? And the third thing is, what is my child doing to contribute to this? But always begin with you. Because if if you're the cause, if, 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 then you have the ability to make some changes that will make the next two null and void. This may be about you, or it may be about the home and what's going on in your home, and you may be able to change that. Because the tendency is most of us think that we have to go to our child immediately and say, there's something wrong with my child. And when you really look closer and you look underneath the behavior and you see what the behavior is trying to convey, you find something completely different. So your child may be excluded because of you. And if that's true, then do some changes. Or maybe you make sure that you have some discussions with your child and talk about those feelings. Now, I, I know this, that guys um, have an amazing way of, of communicating, and they communicate shoulder to shoulder more so than they do sitting down, having a cup of coffee, sitting across the table and saying, well, tell me about your feelings. That just isn't going to happen. It's going to be through activity. That's why you find a lot of guys don't want to talk in counseling. They need to be out doing something with somebody. And so anyway, so my point of it would be affirmation, affirmation, and activity. Affirmation and activity. Because that is a way that a child gets it out of their system. I got fired from a job 30-some years ago, and it was hard. It was tough. It was, I would say, one of the most challenging things in my life. And a, and a fellow came to me, and he said, you know, one of the best things that you can do is to go do something physical before you move on and do whatever you're going to do next. What we did next was go and start Heartlight in Texas, and um, where we've been ever since then. And so I worked in Branson, Missouri at Silver Dollar City's uh, Whitewater. It was an amusement park, and I did that for about three weeks just to clear my head. There's something about that that's important. And I, I think guys have a tendency to 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 want to flesh it out. Uh, uh, girls have more of a tendency to want to talk it out. And so I would tell you affirmation and activity, you know, because this is what they're going to do. They're going to fill their time until new relationships come along, which means they're going to be on Instagram and Snapchat. They're going to look at porn. They're going to let curiosity and experimentation kind of take them to the Internet and look around on things. They're going to watch Netflix and uh, Amazon Prime and HBO and Hulu and Disney Plus and Sling and Crunchyroll and Apple Plus and Twitch and Cracky. <laughs> so they're going to have all those opportunities to just watch movies and and get away and escape and fill that void with a sense of emptiness. But here's the thing that that you need to know that they will get to a point where they want to find somebody to connect with. Now they can do that online but hopefully they'll find somebody else. Okay, and hear me when I say this. 
Kids are made to be in relationship, and they are desperate when they can't fulfill that which they've been designed for. So stick close. Stay close to them, affirm them, do things with them, and provide them the opportunities um, to go out and meet new people. Okay, here's another question. We suspect that our 15-year-old son feels inferior to his 13-year-old brother, and he sometimes puts him down. Any suggestions? Yes, your 15-year-old may be inferior to your 13-year-old uh, to his 13-year-old brother. And so you have to just accept that he might be. If, if this 13-year-old brother is a performance guy, better in sports, better looking, uh, has a, a way socially with people, the 15-year-old may just be inferior, and he feels it, and that's what's coming out. So the issue isn't that you just stop the behavior. you got to get to the root cause of why he feels so inferior. And I've seen this a thousand times where you have a middle child or an older child that feels like somebody younger than him um, is better. And so what they do is bully and and what they do is demean and cut down to try to get them on their level. And it's unfair to the 13-year-old. So this is where you have the conversation with your 15-year-old and say this, you got to have respect. And there is no room for belittling. So Will you give me permission to point it out when you're doing that? Because the tendency is, a, you know, your 15-year-old is going to be like a normal 15-year-old and say, well, I don't do that. I don't belittle him. I don't belittle him. What are you talking about? He's just too sensitive. Okay, well, then if you don't belittle him, then will you give me permission whenever I think you are? Okay. And then you do that. And, and don't belittle your 15-year-old in front of the 13-year-old. You know, just later go, hey, you know, like two hours ago when you said this to your 13-year-old brother, I can see where he would feel this from it. And I don't think that was your intent, but that's sure how you're making it. He may be inferior. So talk about that and assure him that inferiority isn't resolved by demeaning and putting down another. That's called bullying. You know, how you get over the, the feeling of being inferior is you start spending time figuring out where um, you were better. And that may take a lot of discussion, one-on-one -on -one time during the week. Go sit down with him, take him to his favorite place to get something to eat, and just talk about all the wonderful things in his life. And if, and if that doesn't help in giving him a new perspective, then he may need to go see a counselor and spend time with that counselor and get to the root issues of it. But I would put consequences on every time that the 15-year-old um, is cutting down his 13-year-old brother. And I would put consequences on every time the 13-year-old brother is provoking the 15-year-old. Here's another question. Somebody says, how do I start a conversation with my college student that's been home since Thanksgiving? I read her diary and I found out some things that uh, might be harming her body. Usually I tell you this, mom, <laughs> dad, shame on you for reading her diary. If she's off at college and writing down her thoughts, you know, she could be doing a couple of things. One, she could be just sharing and trying to get it down where she can process What's going on? That's the neat thing about journaling is that it's a way of processing. I speak my comments and I say things and I get other people's reflection and ideas and thoughts. And some people don't do that. Some people just write it down. And so she's doing that where she can 
help process what's going on in her head. Either that or she's trying to create a world that uh, doesn't exist and uh, feels better about it when she can write it down and make herself seem a little bit different. It, it's no different than when when a girl starts publishing pictures of herself, of, you know, that that make her feel, for in whatever terms, prettier, smarter, or better, um, or having it all together. But I would, I, I think, I would engage with her a little bit different. Uh, you, when you when you ask the question, how do I engage her and start a dialogue? I think I would start in in some of those special times that you have with her when it's the right moment. I would say, hey, what is something that you know that I don't know about you? Um, or you may say this, if there was something for me to be concerned about with you, what would that be? Or this, hey, I'll give you $100 if you tell me your deepest secret, something that you've been hiding. Would you take it? And and there's something, you know, if she goes, no, I wouldn't take it. Then, then what that means is there is something there, but it's just not enough money. What about $1,000? No, she might do it then. So I would ask the question, so how much would it take for you to share that dark, dark secret? What you're doing is is letting her know that you are safe to talk about things. Now, if you're not safe because you've always rattled off every time your daughter shares something with you or you tell somebody else or you shame them or you give them a consequence, then there's probably a reason why they don't talk to you and they would rather choose to write it down in a diary. So your intent is to try to just create an atmosphere. We can talk about these things. And what I find is usually the best way to create that atmosphere is me sharing something about myself that they don't know. Because it, what it's saying is, hey, you can share things and you don't have to have it all together and you create an atmosphere where they can share things. Maybe ask her this, hey, if you can get help with one area of your life that would change your life forever, what would that be? And she may come back and say, I don't know. What would it be for you, mom? What would it be for you, dad? So be prepared to answer that. Or... Ask this, hey, if you can snap your fingers and have something different in your life, what would you snap for? See, what I'm doing at this age of a, of a child that's been off at college and has come home, they're not sharing things with you for a reason. And what you've got to do is change the atmosphere and let them know you want to treat them differently. They may be thinking of you as they did when they were in the ninth grade and the way you responded then. you got to let them know somewhere that, hey, you're 19, 20 years old now. We don't have to have that kind of relationship. I want a deeper relationship. And it doesn't mean I want to solve all your problems. It just means I want to be a part of you while you deal with your problems. Hey, here's another question. Somebody said, how do you settle a difference between of opinion between a child and parents about the school your child should attend. Um, you know, nobody gives the age here, so I, I, I don't know what that is. But evidently, a child wants to go to one school and a parent, the parents want them to go to another school. So I would say this, hey, when you're 16, you get to choose. Um, but up until then, we're going to make the decision. So it may be that, you know, all the way through ninth grade, we're going to determine that. Uh, but from 10th grade on, you get to Make that decision where you go. But if you make that decision and we still have some concerns, just know this. 
if we see these things happen, we're going to call them out where we can talk about them, and then we will have to make the decision. You know, this one's a, a little bit of a hard one because what you're wanting to do is create a place for your child to be able to start making choices. And they may be doing it just because of relationships. They may be doing it because they want to get away from something that's influencing them. Not all of those kids' choices where they want to go to a different school are bad, uh, badly motivated. There may be a great motivation behind them that is pushing a child to long for something different so they can flourish themselves because they see themselves dying in the environment that they're in. I see this a lot with kids that are in isolated schools. I'm all for Christian schools. Um, But if a child feels like they need something more, maybe you give your child uh, that opportunity. Because your child's going to go off and at some point in their life and, and look for something different. And I would rather talk about that difference in their life now and have them experience something so we're not shocked when they get off to college. It depends on age. But when you're 16, you get to choose. And if you violate some things, so the markers that we've set out, then we get to choose for you. Here's another question. It says, after listening to the podcast about the assessment for parents, it's alarming how many uh, comments I answered yesterday. That's when I said, you know, does uh, have your friends changed? Does it become dark? Or uh, your child have a tough time getting motivated? Do they not get out of bed? Or they seem depressed? Are they overly anxious? Do they now love things they used to hate and th- hate things that they used to love? You know, th- this family, bless their heart, are... are uh, they, they've sent their child, who is um, 17 years old, send, sent him to a counselor, and, and the counselor says he's not responding. There's nothing we can do. He's going to be 18 in seven months, and we just hope that he'll finish high school. We can't afford a residential treatment facility, and we feel like we're at the end of our rope. I get it. You know, let, let, let me speak to a couple of things. When a child's 17 years old, you don't have much control. And that's just the way that it is. I, I wish it were different, but when they turn 18 and graduate from high school and want to move on to the next thing, you can consider some things by saying, hey, I'll be happy to do this, helping them with that next stage of life, if you'll do this. And it may be going to counseling. It may be dealing with things. Unresolved conflict, mom and dad, uh, unresolved conflict will come up later in life. Um, it's just the way that it works. So anything that your child's not talking about now will come up later and you get to deal with it later. And maybe it's just God's timing that you have to deal with those things later. The other thing I know is that residential treatment, I mean, we're not a residential treatment center. We're a residential counseling center. Heartlight is where we have 60 high school kids that live here with us. Um, it's expensive, and, and I, I tell you, this is how I figure it up for what we charge, because we don't make any money off of anything here. Um, we charge what a babysitter, what a 14-year-old babysitter, if they came to your house and they babysat your kids, you would probably pay them $10 an hour. Well, that's what we charge, $10 an hour, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 30 or 31 days out of the month, 12 months out of the year. And you add that up, it gets really expensive. But but you throw in counseling and you throw in academics and activities and program and all this other stuff. That's where it does become prohibitive for many. 
And so part of, I, I would tell you this, come to one of our family in crisis conferences. And now, now we do these in a couple of ways. Um, we have those on property, uh, that it's a two and a half day event that I get to spend time with 40 or 50 people and we have group meetings and and I teach for a while and give insight and we eat meals together, everything else. Or we do it by Zoom, which is a four-hour Zoom conference. But they're called Family and Crisis Conferences. And if you get our newsletter or uh, read anything uh, on our website, parentingtodaysteens.org, you can find out about those those conferences. Um, but... Um, I, that's what I would encourage you to do, because to answer this question would take me about 10 hours uh, when you understand all of it. And and if you need that help, come and be a part of that. And there's a small charge for the Zoom calls. I think it's $60 a person. And, and for those people that come to the uh, weekend uh, deal on our property at Heartlight in Longview, Texas. That is about, I think it's $250 a person because we provide meals and and all of that as well. But anyway, uh, you can go to parentingtodaysteens.org and find out about that. The next question, somebody says, my 16-year-old daughter has been in a treatment center for an eating disorder the past three weeks and she won't let me touch her. Okay, let me, uh, kind of the quick answer. And somebody says, well, is this the new her or uh, is she going to uh, just walk away from me all the time? Most eating disorders have an issue of control in them where somebody wants to have control in their life. And as she's working through giving up control in this eating disorder and and all that, because it's one thing and, and that she's, she's learning to take control of, but, uh, you know, that's really a sign of control. What's happening is she's now pushing you away because... It's a sign of control. She wants control of her life. And when kids are struggling through different issues, they sometimes eliminate things around them or they start hating things around them or not wanting to participate in things around them. It, not because they don't want those things. It's just because they want to show that there is some control in their life because there isn't a kid that I know that doesn't want control in their life. Um, it might be the new her temporarily, but I think it can change quickly. Hey, here's another question. My daughter's a 14 and a half year old freshman. She spends a lot of time in her room. I go in and try to engage. She's never interested. I invite her. You know, she's an outdoor girl. She wants to go mud riding. Um, that's not really an option. She likes to hunt, but there's only one weekend left in the hunting season. My husband thinks it's kind of normal. You know, what, do I, what am I supposed to do? Okay, let me give you a quick, quick answer. There is some nor normality in this. A 14 and a half year old girl, this is how they behave. And I would tell you this, and I would say this to your husband as well. Don't make something bigger than it is, but don't overlook something that is bigger than you think. There may be something going on, so don't just ignore it and say, well, it's normal. But don't make something out of it where it may just be totally normal and and somebody's making a bigger deal out of it. I hope you can hear that. Um, but I think there's a lot of typicalness of a 14 and a half. But I of a 14 and a half year old girl. But but I would encourage you to do this. If if you feel like it's important to have her come down and eat dinner and she doesn't want to, your husband goes, well, it's kind of normal for her to eat in her room then say, then I would just like for you to do that two times a week, just two. And if we can do that, 
then uh, I'll be happy. Yeah, there's there's a reason why she wants to isolate. There's a reason why she doesn't want to be with you guys. That's what you need to be looking at and see what, if there's anything about you, there's anything about your home, and then if there's anything about her that needs to be dealt with. And the final thing I would say about this, go buy a four-wheeler and go mudding with her when the temperature warms up just a little bit. Hey, I hope this I hope this answers a lot of your questions that you sent in. It's a little bit longer this time, but but um, please don't hesitate to ask those questions that that you might want some insight on. Hey, you can get our parenting newsletter. It's called Parenting Today's Teens. Sign up for that newsletter. Spread it out to people. Send it out to people. I mean, forward it on to your church group or your friends and share it with people. It is chocked full of resources that that we shotgun approach things and have articles that are different, not always targeting problems, but targeting just the real issues of parenting teens in a, in a contrary culture. So take advantage of that. You can sign up for it at Parenting Today's Teens. Hey, I hope you have a great, great week. God bless. Thanks for listening to Parenting Today's Teens. For more information, visit parentingtodaysteens.org. And to learn more about Heartlight, visit heartlightministries.org. If this podcast has been helpful to your family, please share it or give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Of course, you can listen to Parenting Today's Teens wherever you listen to podcasts. Join us back here on Monday for another great episode. We'll talk to you then.